Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the 50th episode of the Baseball HQ Eyes Have It podcast. I'm your host, Chris Blessing. This is a different sort of episode because it's the first solo episode of the Eyes Have It podcast series. I'll preview my coverage this season, talk about my processes and my biases, and I'll also analyze a few HQ 100 prospects with some question marks to, an- to answer this season. We'll have some live looks next week since I'm headed to the park, in theory anyway, uh, on Thursday and Friday to see some Red Sox and Braves high A prospects. I say in theory because the forecast is rough coming up this weekend. As many of you know, I write a weekly column on the Baseball HQ website, also called The Eyes Have It. You'll find it most Thursdays. Mostly it's an in-depth scouting report on one to four prospects I saw from the past week in person or on video. Sometimes I'll get into dynasty keeper strategy or into some other area of prospect coverage altogether. I've written research articles too on there. You never know what's gonna be there, but most weeks it's gonna be scouting articles. So kind of like this one, but we go more in depth obviously because it's a subscription website and we also maybe go a little bit further into the whole projection part of it and uh, you know, weigh in some of the good and some of the bad uh, with each prospect, uh, which leads me to a quick aside since I am doing a bit of a ad for Baseball HQ right now. Uh, since I am the prospect uh, or director of prospect analysis, we uh, you know, I really think that this year's coverage uh, that we're doing, uh, my first year of planning, uh, should be one of our best years at Baseball HQ. Our call-up coverage started with a bang on opening day and is now uh, regularly running throughout the season. Uh, you'll see a, you know, if a guy gets called up for the first time, a prospect gets called up for the first time uh, in the season, he'll have it right up there. If he gets called up a second time, we're not going to write him up two times. But we'll write him up once as long as he's prospect eligible when he is called up. Uh, Also this year, we're going to have a Tuesday column. Uh, People might remember, subscribers might remember, I used to do a Tuesday uh, column before the podcast. Uh, We're bringing it back, but not with me. Uh, Doug Otto, who did some uh, work with us last year, uh, will be making his 2023 column debut this week. And then next Thursday, Trevor Huth, who we're bringing on, who used to be at Prospect Live and uh, Pitchers List, uh, he'll be making his uh, BHQ debut as well. Uh, We'll also publish it in every other week Prospect Risers and Fallers type article from Jeremy Deloney and Rob Gordon. That will start later in April. 
And then finally, we've also added a round a few more roundtable discussions from our miners staff to our schedule in season with the first one coming up in June. Uh, this is a big hit on our website. We do it during the off season when we release the HQ 100 list. And we had several subscribers in the past couple of years ask us for more of them. So we're going to get the band together like Nick and Matthew and Shelly and all the other ones that I, all the other writers that I previously mentioned and get their thoughts on prospects throughout the season. Uh, so the first one's going to analyze the first two months of the season. Then we'll have one around the HQ 50 time when we uh, have our mid-season list uh, debut. And then we'll have one in uh, the first week of September, which will kind of be a uh, what went right, what went wrong type uh, roundtable, uh, per se, about the season, about the prospects. Well, anyway, back to my coverage. It starts Thursday in Rome, Rome, Georgia, that is, not Rome, Italy. Uh, my primary in-person coverage area uh, when I'm in Rome is the South Atlantic League via Rome. And then when I'm in Chattanooga, it's the Southern League, which is Double A, and uh, and the, it's all kinds of fun in the Double uh, A this year. And we'll kind of get to a little bit of that uh, a little later. Uh, Brent, who's my part-time co-host now, if you've missed it, uh, Brent will be on every other episode. This is probably the only episode early on that I'll do by myself. I have a lot of guests already scheduled. I have a few guests to uh, reach out to as well. So uh, this week I kind of wanted to go at my own and uh, see if it was really that scary uh, to be by myself. Uh, but anyway, Brent uh, has primary in-person coverage in the South Atlantic uh, League as well uh, via Jersey Shore and Wilmington. Uh, he'll also get to the International League and the Eastern League at various uh, places. So. Uh, there's a lot of good prospects in Double A this year, so we'll see a lot of Eastern League guys or hear about a lot of Eastern League guys on the pod this year, and you know, in articles uh, from me on the website. Um, we both will extend uh, some of our in-person looks if it makes sense. The Carolina League, it's kind of a haul for both of us. I think his closest is Del Marva, uh, which is uh, I think Salisbury, Maryland, and. Uh, my closest in is Augusta, which isn't Augusta, Georgia, but it's actually in Augusta in, in across the border in South Carolina. So uh, it's, a, it's a bit of a haul for me from where I'm at in Georgia. Uh, Trevor uh, will have our primary in-person coverage in the Midwest League uh, and will likely guest with us here too. So he'll be at the site and, and maybe a guest appearance or two here. Uh, I look forward to getting him on here because Trevor uh, is is kind of a professional at this. He's he's worked radio in the past, and uh, it will be good to get his voice on here. It's it's one of the reasons why uh, it was like a bonus for us um, to get that. I wanted his in person looks, and uh, getting a experienced podcaster uh, and and uh, radio personality uh, will be good. Um, anyway, also Jeremy and Rob uh, will get some mid Midwest League uh, looks too. And we'll likely guest here uh, later on in the season. Uh, we're also going to be splitting up video scout coverage this year. Uh, we'll have uh, every full season league covered here uh, on the podcast and on the website throughout the season with various in-person and video looks. Uh, obviously, we're a small, uh, small 
outfit uh, per se. Uh, we're not going to be sending people out uh, to anywhere uh, pretty far from their house. So more than likely, if we do, it will be the Futures game. Uh, currently planning to be in Seattle myself. I know Brent's kind of planning for that too. So hopefully we're there. There might be another HQ rider joining us. Uh, but again, it's built in my schedule. It's built into my budget. We'll see if the budget makes sense uh, as it gets closer to time. Um, anyway, just quick preview of what we do at Baseball HQ. Uh, and we'll just, you know, roll this right into the next part of the podcast. Uh, my coverage area for the first two months is actually really loaded this year. Uh, first series, Rome versus Greenville. Rome's rosters aren't out. There's not really any projections. It's kind of quiet. Uh, I guess the best prospect there will probably be A.J. Smith-Shawver, uh, uh, right-handed pitcher. Uh, J.R. Ritchie's rumored to be in Rome as well. Uh, he was a draft pick last year. Uh, and joining him is another draft pick, uh, Blake uh, Buckhalter, who also I've heard might be in Mississippi, who is ironically the first team in uh, Chattanooga this year. So uh, I don't know if that's ironic, but yeah, I mean, I'm about to talk Chattanooga. So of course uh, it's good to see uh, maybe Mississippi might have a prospect. Uh, if you look at the Braves list on our website, it's scary from all the promotions and the trades. Uh, anyway, Greenville, uh, who will be in next week, and you'll hear about on next week's episode of the podcast, uh, have their big uh, prospect with the Red Sox, uh, Marcelo uh, Mayer, the shortstop prospect, the uh, fourth overall pick uh, when they took him. Uh, there's also some really interesting prospects on this team. Uh, Edison Paulino, the utility uh, player, plays some center, plays some middle infield. Uh, Right-handed pitcher Wilkeman Gonzalez. And the big bopper, a guy that I saw in Cleveland in a high school home run derby. And that's uh, Blaze Jordan. Uh, so looking very forward to seeing Greenville when they pass on through uh, next week. Uh, other teams in Rome this year or in the next two months, we've got Hudson Valley, which is Yankees affiliate. Uh, Spencer Jones, Drew Thorpe from last year's draft. Uh, that's an outfielder and a right-handed pitcher. Uh, we'll have Bowling Green in, shortstop Carson Williams. They're, they're one of their big guys uh, uh, will be there. And... One of fantasy baseball's favorite, Junior Caminero, will also be in Bowling Green. So that's going to be a great week. That's my first week in May this year. So uh, can't wait for that one. Bowling Green's bringing it with big guys this year. Um, so very, very interested in them. And then they're followed in town by Asheville, which will have Drew Gilbert and Jacob Milton. They're two top draft picks from the last year's draft um really like both guys i think melton's a guy that's uh, fairly underrated at this point and they'll also have right-handed pitcher miguel ulora uh i probably butchered that i tried um that's my problem um i have some f phonetic issues uh especially getting into foreign languages and i try my best but that one wow that one's a hard one for me um and then going over to the double A in the Chattanooga. Um, Chattanooga is the Reds affiliate. Uh, uh, Novi Marte is the big prospect there. They've got, a, um, from what I understand, kind of looking at the triple A roster right now. And right now, Marte isn't 
um, is it per se um, confirmed there, but I'm 99% sure from a, a contact in Arizona, he'll be with the team in Chattanooga. Um, but there's going to be a lot of returners uh, this year just based off of AAA roster. Um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Andrew Abbott. And then seeing a guy, Connor Phillips, who I think is about to take a huge step forward uh, and might be a, a nice little sleeper um, pick. Um, they play Mississippi next week. Um, it's a bad roster. Uh, it's Braves Double uh, A. I guess it's better if Bo Halter moves up there, but like you know, I'd rather have him in Rome so I don't have to prioritize him um, and just him uh, going to see Mississippi next week. So, um, followed by uh, later in April, Mississippi's followed by Rocket City with Zach Neto. Kai Bush, Sam Bachman, and Ben Joyce, the hard-throwing uh, guy from the UT, University of Tennessee, from last year's draft. So that's two draft picks from last year, including their number one guy, Zach Neto. Uh, ben Joyce is, uh, I know a lot of people in uh, some of my drafted holds have drafted Ben Joyce. I'm, I'm always a little skeptical of, uh, of college, uh, high college draft pick relievers. Uh, um, getting up to the show quickly and and performing, so uh, I kind of avoided that. But I get the, I get it. Ben Joyce is a pretty good pitcher. Uh, you know, seeing him in college, seeing him uh, in Angel Spring training on television. Uh, you know, hard thrower, uh, good one-two punch there. Uh, Birmingham will be in town as well. Um, White Sox prospects have been down for a while now. But their two biggest prospects, Colson Montgomery and Brian Ramos, are both going to be on the Birmingham roster and should be there, uh, uh, hopefully. And then the big get this year for me in AA is uh, Biloxi, uh, which is the Brewers' uh, AA affiliate. And they've got a pretty big roster, uh, pretty big uh, prospect roster on, on here. They've got their top prospect, Jackson Churio, uh, the outfielder. Uh, catcher Jefferson Cuero, who I got to see in the Arizona Fall League this last year, and uh, Tyler Black. So, um, very good roster. Uh, very good year. Uh, <laughs> as many of you know uh, who listened last year, it was a, kind of a drag both of my places. I mean, uh, both Chattanooga and Rome. Um, there wasn't much quality that came through, unfortunately. So, when there's not a lot of quality, it, i got to do a lot of more video scouting. I don't like doing video scouting. Yes, it's easy because I can do it from home, but I get easily distracted when I'm at home, uh, especially after a 40-hour uh, work week. Uh, so I usually do my video scouting on the weekends. Uh, I still do it, but I prefer to do it for like later at night um, after, after my wife has gone to bed. Um, you know, it's just nicer. So it will be great this year to see these guys come onto the podcast and talk about them and write up some of them for the website, some of the bigger names or some of the sleepers. Uh, you know, it's always a great, great thing to do. Um, so remember, you know, this big, long commercial, subscribe to our website. I promise not to ask you again today. But if you were a subscriber... You would have known what uh, you would have probably known about the next thing I'm going to be talking about. And uh, I think it's really important, especially this day and age. There's a lot of a lot of people in this space, uh, in this prospect space, both in fantasy and not so fantasy, you know, straight prospect coverage. 
and one of the things I think is very important, if you're listening to me, you're trusting me on your roster decisions, uh, you know, trusting me on my evaluations, uh, I want you to know that like my my process and my and my feel for my biases is is as top notch as it can be. Um, I will say I've been doing this since 20, 2009, actually, I almost said 2010. 2009, I started, uh, I wrote my first article at a place called Scouting the Sally, um, which uh, it has not been around for a very long time. I actually, the only site that I've written for that's still around is Baseball HQ. Uh, but when you're starting out, you start out with a lot of startup places. And, um, you know, Scouting the Sally, uh, Bullpen Banter, which there's Tons of the bullpen banter uh, alumni are working in baseball in some form or fashion, whether it's in front offices. I think we have a couple. We have at least one director of scouting, uh, of international scouting. Uh, we also have an assistant amateur scouting uh, guy and a few different uh, area guys. And uh, um, SoCal Steve, uh, if you follow him on, uh, on Twitter, uh, video guy out in California does some scouting work as well. Um, he and I are the only two left in media. Uh, so you to Steve for Fiora Dino, uh, are, is his name and, uh, you know, you should go check him out, but like bullpen banter was a great experience and really kind of honed my skills, got to roto scouting, which was run by my buddy, Mike Newman, who also ran scouting the Sally. Old timers might remember him from fan graphs, uh, still talk to him. Um, you know, I almost actually thought he might've gotten back into the game this year, tried to talk him into it. Um, he talked himself out of it. He has a, a nice family, a great family life in New York. Um, and you know, I miss, I miss, uh, miss him in this prospect space. Cause I think he would have, uh, excelled, especially with his data uh, abilities. Uh, and I'm glad that he taught me pretty much everything I know. Um, I've learned some things along the way, um, some new things, and I tried to teach him a little bit of that this year uh, uh, when I was trying to convince him to come on back. So anyway, my process is essentially that I take these years of experience of, of being right and being wrong of players. Uh, you know, I take it all personally, by the way. Um, not so much that it gets me down, uh, but I think it's important to lose on a player. I think one of the biggest things that's helped me is doing some associate scouting work on the amateur side uh, and seeing guys that I was right about and seeing guys that I was wrong about. Uh, and, and it's kind of funny, you know, I, I spoke on the, on the podcast uh, with Jeff Ponce, uh, our second episode, episode number 48 of uh, our series, or second episode of this year, uh, that I saw Jordan Walker uh, at his worst as a prep guy. Like it was bad, but at least I could see why he was good. Uh, but I saw, uh, you know, James Wood, uh, the, the Nationals prospect, at a really bad point in his draft year, and he did not look good. And other than the size and and obvious strength and athleticism uh like there were some baseball question marks whether he had the skills to to hit now uh he's hitting as hard as you can possibly hit it um first big guy i missed on um was probably uh aileen hansen i don't know if you remember him uh pirates prospect i think he's still floating around uh around there uh i, I don't blame myself so much on that as uh you know maybe i need to uh i think that 
Um, it was my dumb, naive self in like 2012, 2013 that really bought into a skill set that that wasn't that refined. Um, and I think it happens. I think we all do that. I think all the evaluators and I think a lot of managers do that as well, uh, where you buy into things because you hope and you want to see it. But really and truly, it's not there. Um, and like he's a good enough player that he got to the major leagues and has bounced around and has made some money in this game. Uh, but seeing the superstar that I projected uh, <laughs> was not really on the table for him. So um, uh, Gregory Polanco, who was his teammate on that uh, on that squad, saw him uh, really good, saw him good during a series. And I think that was one of the things I've learned too is um, one of the biggest lessons in scouting is you only really see a short sample of a player. Like I, I get lucky. Like last year I got to see tons of Reds prospects um, just because all of them passed through Chattanooga seemingly last year, except for Nove Marte and Edwin Arroyo. Uh, pretty much everybody else uh, came on by. So like, um, you know, I, I, I got to sit on them for, for weeks sometimes. Like Matt McLean, I got to see so much. Just so incredibly, like a lot. And the year before, I got to see Nick Lodolo like three or four times. Like um, when you can do that, it's a lot better. Sometimes there's also uh, some issue starting to really like a guy and and see again seeing the things that you want to see because because you've seen him the entire season. So that that's something like for instance, Connor Phillips, a guy I really like with the uh, Reds Double A team Chattanooga this year. That's something I've got to be aware of. Um, that, you know, hopefully I see the growth in sequencing and command uh, that I need to see because stuff is a premium stuff. Like he has really good stuff. So hopefully I get to see what that is. But anyway, um, there's been a lot of mistakes through the years. There's been a lot of uh, successes. There's been successes when I shouldn't have been successful. I'll be honest with that. Um, but, you know, it, once you start really getting into your process, and I think I really hit my stride 2015, 2016 when I came here. Um, I've learned a lot since then, but I, I started identifying things like I, um, you know, I wasn't first on um, Ronald Acuna. Um, I, I might have been the first person in, in the media that saw him live. Um but like there was a scout that was first on him. And like I had heard even a rumor that uh, AL East team tried to trade for him um, during his rookie ball league. So there was at least some interest from other league, from other teams uh, that really liked the guy. But then he just exploded in low A, at that time, low A Rome. Now it's high A Rome. Um, and he was a teammate with... Uh, with uh, Riley, uh, the third baseman. Um, so like a really really good team and i'll be honest like when i when i saw riley it was it was kind of hard it was hard to see where where he was gonna go um he did hit the ball really really hard but he could not pull the ball for the life of him um and at that time i kind of docked him for it and i should have really kind of uh i really should have focused on his ability to get to barrel um so um, you know, being the, being the associate scout, I can't really talk a lot about that, but I could say like, you know, I helped work a guy that's in the major leagues right now. Um, well, you know, I provided 
some scouting coverage of, of a dude in the major leagues. I mean, that's a big deal. I put a guy in, uh, put multiple guys into the uh, organization system that they had not had uh, any entries on. And like one of them's in, in I think he's about to be in double A, uh, Logan Workman. Uh, I, I don't, I don't help the Rays out. So, uh, but he's with the Rays organization, but I put him in the organization that I work with uh, um, system. So like, you know, having those things and having another guy that I put in their system totally flop, um, you know, like that just happens. Uh, and that's, that's the great thing. I think every evaluator that's learning uh, should start uh, um, partially going to prep games. Uh, you see a lot of bad baseball immediately. Um, so I've seen a lot of bad baseball this spring, to be honest with you. I may not have seen a guy that's going to get drafted this year, but Two, three years from now, uh, after, uh, you know, some college seasoning, some of the guys that I've seen this year will definitely be be dudes uh, in those drafts. So, um, you know, it's it's good to see guys at all levels and, and see what they're supposed to look like um, at, at various things and also be able to dream because you could see a pitcher and, you know, I, I use this analogy, could this be the next Shane Bieber or or Zach Gallen? Because I'm going to tell you, they probably didn't. They probably weren't big prospects, uh, even in their areas where the area scout needed to know everybody. They were probably just looked at once uh, as in in the preps, and then they got good in college. And you know now they're two of the best pitchers in the league. Um, so anyway, my process is built on all of that experience and a thirst to learn more. Because uh, you just can't rest. Uh, my day job is a property appraiser, and uh, it's the same thing there. Um, I learn something every day, something new every single day um, about markets, about uh, modeling, which is something I've really gotten into the last few years, um, forecasting, all of that good stuff. It's the same job. The only difference is, is I'm looking at inanimate objects in the day, and I'm looking at uh, people with feelings at nighttime. Uh, and I mean, that's another thing. Like I have to really, uh, you know, publicly not really trash guys, um, uh, their skill sets. Cause it, it's, it's, there's feelings behind it. Um, but that doesn't mean to be positive about everybody. I think there's something to take from every prospect that you watch. Um, but I also don't think that, um, I, I don't think I would be doing you a service by telling you, that this guy's great when there are definite flaws in his game. And we're kind of going, we're going to get segue in a minute or so uh, after I talk about bias um, to a few guys, uh, about 10 guys that have some serious question marks to answer for me um, this year, uh, whether they currently deserve their current prospect status or whether whether they can move up the the ranks. Um, excuse me. Um, anyway, uh, to go to bias, I think that's the next part of the process. Uh, I know my biases. I know that um, I know that I like certain sort of certain types of players. Um, a lot of the biases that I try to avoid. Uh, recency bias is a is a big one. Uh, you know, I went on Twitter today and everybody was was up uh, you know up high on Logan Ohapi. Uh, 
Angels catcher had a terrific weekend. Uh, I think he's, I, I don't think he's as good as this weekend has been, but I think he's the real deal. I think he's a, a solid major league catcher right now as a rookie. Like he has the skill set. I think, uh, you know, last year or last week uh, when Brent and I talked about him, I think we both uh, were in a, in a bit of agreement that he was going to outkick his coverage when it came to the product, to the projection that we had on him last week. Um, especially now that, that guys have been hurt and he's truly the primary catcher there. Um, but, you know, I can't judge him just based on that. There, there's a history. And one week, or whether it was uh, it was Jordan Walker during spring training, that's a, that's a big one right there, um, uh, who earned a spot. I, I still have questions about him. I, I don't know if the plate discipline's ready yet. Um, but it, obviously his organization feels differently, uh, and they probably know a lot more than I do. Um, and that, that's another thing that I will easily admit. I'm not the end all see all of everything. I I'm just an opinion, but I feel like I'm an informed opinion. And I also feel like, um, I feel like I'm sometimes right. Uh, when, when maybe, maybe other teams or other people think I'm wrong. Um, that's the, that's the biggest one. There's also confirmation bias. It's, uh, you know, new evidence is confirmation of one's existing beliefs. Uh, you know, I, I get, I have that problem sometimes. Um, you know, Michael Harris was one of those guys when he was coming up, uh, where I, I kept on seeing things. Um, thankfully they all came true. Uh, and it looks really good. All of my evaluations, especially during the 2021 season where I was like, Oh, he's learning plate discipline. Look at him. Look at, he might be somebody. And I was right on that. Um, so it's good, but there's been plenty of guys I've been wrong on too. Um, and then there's conformity, uh, bandwagon bias. That's when everybody starts talking to, you know, basically I read everybody's opinions. I'll be honest. I, I I'm on Twitter, just like y'all. Um, I also am a subscriber to many different sites, baseball, America, uh, Rotowire. Um, you know, I, I look at other people's stuff too. I'll even look over at pipeline. Um, but the thing is, is, uh, I, I use that stuff secondary. Uh, Baseball America is a great place for me to find out where the industries lie, um, because that's that's who they're looking at. They're they're talking to the industry. They're talking to more player development folks, scouting folks, uh, front office staff that I can't talk to. So it's good. Um, uh, James Anderson at RotoWire comes at this a uh, way different way than I do. Um, if, if we're both in agreement, uh, that's a really good thing. Uh, I'm at the ballpark. He's he's more of an analyst, uh, and he does a phenomenal job. So, like, I have, you know, that's a good person. After I'm done my list, I always look at him and be like, hey, wow, we're both in agreement with him, uh, with each other. And then there's some guys that we're not even close on. I think, uh, um, you know, a guy that comes to, comes to mind um, for me that he's I'm higher is Michael Bush, uh, the Dodgers prospect. Uh, he's always been a little lower than I have been, and for good reason. Um, you know, there are some serious question marks about Bush um, that the data um, really kind of highlights. I, th- I think he's a little better than, than what the data has shown, so of course I have him a little higher. But James ain't wrong. Uh, I'm not wrong either. It's just uh, one of us is going to be right in the long run, All right, guys? Uh, that's kind of how it goes. Um uh, research, you do too much research in a guy. I, I did way too much research in Emmanuel Rodriguez. 
uh, the left-handed hitter uh, from the Twins, outfield prospect, uh, that had a really good game against the Yankees on television this year. Talk about recency bias. There is a lot of recency bias on Twitter that day. Um, uh, and caution you a little bit. We'll talk about that when we talk about some of the holes in some of the guys, uh, some of the top uh, HQ100 guys, 10 guys that I picked out uh, to talk to, talk about today. Uh, there's also uh, Survivor, only paying attention to the outcomes of players who make it. Um, I pay attention to the to the guys that didn't make it. Uh, you know, one of my big first guys that I really got behind was a right-handed pitcher for the Mets named Kyle Allen, uh, not the quarterback uh, that's that started for a few teams in the NFL, uh, but a right-handed pitcher. I'll, I'll be honest with you, I thought he was better than Julio Tehran. I know Julio Tehran's kind of fallen on hard times in recent years, but I mean, I was a really big prospect at one time. Uh, Kyle Allen was a uh, was teammate with uh, Jerry's Familia, uh, but you know you remember the guys that don't make it either, uh, and you know some of that was a physical physical issue from what I understand from what my sources have told me. Um, hopefully he's doing well in life, um, but like you got to remember the guys that you also missed on, and it's good to compare guys to that. It's good to find a guy like for instance Emmanuel Rodriguez, who I'm just I guess going to talk about a lot today. Um, you know, thinking about him when I was doing all that research earlier, I was thinking of uh, uh, Becerra, uh, I think uh, Wilmer Becerra, uh, former Blue Jay and former Mets prospect, a guy that uh, another another shout out here, Jeff, Jeffrey Paternostro and I, uh, Jeffrey heads up the prospect coverage at Baseball Prospectus. He and I uh, met up a few times in Kingsport. Um, which is where the Mets are, um, Tri-Cities area of um, where the Mets rookie ball team used to be. Uh, and at that time, Jeffrey was uh, um, worked for, uh, wrote for Amazing Avenue. And I was probably writing for Bullpen Banter or one of those things. But I followed him along while interviewing guys. And I remember uh, Wilmer uh, Becerra, uh, had had a pretty good season. And he basically told us through a translator, uh, and actually the translator's in the major leagues now, uh, Luis uh, Guillerme, uh, started third base today for the Mets. Um, nice little utility infielder. Uh, heck of reactions. Uh, and a kid that totally believed he was going to be a big leaguer, even though uh, he was maybe the third or fourth best prospect on that uh, Kingsport team. Um, but he believed he was going to be a prospect. Well, he told us, Becerra did through Guillerme that um, he didn't swing at breaking pitches. Uh, he couldn't hit them, so he didn't swing at them. And you see what's happened. Uh, he didn't make it. Um, and that happens. And that one of my concerns about Rodriguez, which we'll get to a little bit later, is he doesn't swing because he can't hit the ball all the time. Like, there's a lot of holes in his swing. Um, and that's a big concern. But we'll get to that a little more. Uh, in depth earlier. Um, there's also selection dot, a bias and error in choosing the individuals in a study. Uh, I'm really good at that. Like I'll go with a set guys, like I gave you a set guys and then I'll discover somebody like Logan Workman, who I saw, I was really there to see two prospects, two other prospects in division two ball. And, and I, and this kid comes in in the ninth inning and is the best pitcher I saw ever in D2. Um, so like that, I, I saw Joe Ryan, I think in 2019, um, pitch, and I was like blown away by him. The Twins hurler now, um, but he wasn't a big prospect until 
Joel, I kind of saw him. I Almost the same day that I saw him, Baseball America had an article. I think uh, Josh Norris had an article on him. It was like almost a perfect thing. I, I went and looked him up after about two innings, and I see that Josh Norris has written a little little bio about him. Um, but here I was seeing this guy firsthand. Like he was just absolute nasty, especially the left-handers with that fastball. Um, really ex- just I'm glad I was early on that guy. Um, and then uh, there's there's a few other biases, um, you know, not to really go into it, but you know, there's the the one where I can't think of what it's called, but uh, something's especially remarkable about a guy. Um, Hunter Green's fastball comes to mind, and maybe you ride his profile up a little. Of that guy who hits the ball hard but swings and misses a lot, but you always see the exit velocities everywhere. You're like, oh my god, Emmanuel Rodriguez hit so hard hit the ball so hard but he's also swinging and missing at a high percentage uh when he actually swings mind you uh so like those are the biases that that i kind of i always am fighting and i think every evaluator should uh should realize what their biases are so that's been about 35 minutes 36 minutes of me going on and on about guys let's let's hit on some of these prospects um Got a list of 10 guys I have question marks about coming into the season. Um, this is going to be really quick, uh, and then we're going to get you on your way. Uh, number one on that list is our number three prospect on the HQ100, and a guy that as I've gone on this offseason, I I don't want to say I soured on him. Uh, I think that he was overranked uh, on my list, on my personal list. I can't speak to the other HQers, I don't know if they've come to this uh, understanding, but it's Arizona shortstop prospect Jordan Lawler. Uh, I think Jordan Lawler is like this high floor dude, and I've always thought this. Um, I I think I got tricked a bit this year. Um, looking at his data, um, internal, I should say, data, um, organizational data, uh, his hard hit rates and that kind of thing. Uh, Lawler's not necessarily making hard contact, and that that's something that's a little scary to see from a prospect that we've we've amped up to number three overall. Do I think he's a regular player? Yes. Do I think there's a chance for him to be an all-star like player? Yes. But I think the chance of him being an all-star player is maybe less than a guy like uh, Marcelo Mayer, who I get to see next week. Um, I think Mayer has higher top ceiling than Jordan Lawler. Um, You know, Jordan Lawler kind of reminds me of the prospect profile of Dansby Swanson, Um, a guy that did a lot of good things but didn't necessarily do anything great. Um, And and so, like, there's not that one carry pro, you know, carry um, tool that's going to carry him essentially to – um, superstardom or fantasy superstardom or to be ranked number three. Um, hey, I'm guilty of it here too. Uh, so uh, hopefully it's not something because I've, I've researched too much of Jordan Lawler, but you know, speaking around to some, some contacts in Arizona, some contacts uh, that's spoken to other contacts, they all kind of uh, come to the same uh, conclusion that, that we probably have Lawler as an industry a little higher then maybe the orgs have him at. The orgs still think he's a high-ceiling guy, uh, but if you're looking for superstar uh, potential out of him, it's probably 
not him, um, I hate to say. Um, number two on my list is uh, fourth-ranked prospect. Uh, and that's a guy that I'm going to see this year, uh, Jackson Churio of the Brewers. Um, Churio, I mean, people are looking at him, looking at what he did as double-A, which was not good last year, but people forget how young he is. Um, I think this is a really important season for him to – uh, I, I really think that he has top prospect um, profile. Like, I, I, I think he is a kid that is a potential first-round perennial draft pick in fantasy leagues. Like, this is the guy, like, if you have him rostered, like, we're going to say he's probably rostered everywhere at this point, unless you're in a startup league. But, like, uh, this is the sort of profile – we want to see refinement. We want to see pitch recognition. We want to see those things. So, well, I don't think that it's as big of question marks as Jordan Lawler. Uh, my thinking here is if Jackson Chorio answers those questions, he's the number one overall prospect without a question to start uh, next season or even midseason since uh, Jordan Walker and Gunnar Henderson and Corbin Carroll are all major leaguers. Um, next on my little list, 24, is a guy that I saw really good last year. Kid I like a lot from the Elizabethton, Tennessee area. Um, and that's Texas Rangers outfield prospect Evan Carter. Um, we had him at 24, which I think was, was high. I think I was part of that reason why it was so high. Um, this is a guy that I'd like to see show a little more aggressiveness at the plate. Um, we'd like to see more angle out of his swing. I think that this is a kid that could be a, a multi-category performer, and I think that's where we have him at. But I think his skill set is maybe a tad um, less developed as we think right now. So. Um, this is a guy that's uh, especially uh, ranked high in on-base percentage uh, formats. Uh, uh, again, you know, there's this 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 teetering like from like watching Brandon Nimmo as a as a prospect and seeing him manage a strike zone, and then seeing a lot of guys that also are considered this way um, that are guys that see a lot of pitches and guys that don't swing that often, you know, they, they, they're not aggressive enough. Um, Carter's the most, is the guy that I've seen that's most like Brandon Nimmo, who seems it's more of, hey, I'm not going to swing because this is, you know, it's not my pitch or that's a ball. Uh, it's not like other guys who aren't swinging because they can't read spin or um, they're just so selective that, um they're looking for one specific pitch. Um, so number he was number 24 on the HQ 100. Number 25 on the HQ 100, my next guy, Robert Hassel III, outfielder, left-handed hitter. Um, you might remember him from uh, the Padres. He was dealt last year to the Nationals. Um, my question mark here with him is, A, I don't think he hits the ball hard enough. I don't think he has the lift in his swing, and I don't think he's going to steal as many bases as he's stolen in the minor league. So uh, I'm not going to answer the stolen base. We're not going to answer the stolen base part of this this year. Guys are guys like Hassel are 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 
just going to dominate um, with instincts and that sort of thing. But I think the things I'm looking for is I want to see some more impact with the baseball. I also want to see some lift in his swing. Um, so Nationals prospect Robert Hassel, I'm sure Brent will see him at some point in the year. Um, you know, another guy Brent will likely see as well. We might actually see in the major leagues. Uh, uh, is our 28th ranked prospect, Colton Kowser, outfielder for the Orioles. Uh, Colton Kowser uh, is one of these patient guys. I think he's patient more so. I think he has a good sense of the strike zone. But I also, there's so much swing and miss here. And so, like, I'm okay with him at this level, at this time in AAA, and it taking a lot of walks. Um, my issue is is the swings and misses. That's what's scary about Colton Kowser. Uh, 28s, I have Kowser in several formats. Uh, I was a sucker for him ever since he got drafted. I, I really thought uh, I thought the Orioles would get more out of the hit tool than they have. The Orioles are such a good development uh, organization right now. I thought they'd get him more hit. It, it hasn't come, come about. Um, in the it, spring training, I think he struck out in almost like 45% of the time uh, during his at-bats. Uh, so kind of scary, but he did walk a whole bunch. He had a lot of plate appearances. Got a lot of good playing time with, uh, you know, uh, during spring training. So they'll be interested to see. Um, number 42 on the HQ 100s, Colson Montgomery, uh, shortstop prospect for the White Sox organization. Uh, man, I think... I think this guy's overranked at this point. Uh, I think it's because he was young. I think that he got to double A so quickly. I don't trust the White Sox development of Colson Montgomery either. So things I want to see him do that he hasn't, I haven't necessarily seen him do since he might've been in low A and that's really kind of impact the ball on a level um, that uh, will bring some power, um, some home run, more home run projection to his game. Um, but a, a guy, you know, a prep guy, an older prep guy when he was drafted, um, who's already in double A, I mean, and is returning there this year. So uh, a guy that's worth seeing. Uh, number 43 on the list is a guy that really, um, in the Arizona Fall League and then also in spring training, really turned heads. That's Mason Wynn, a shortstop from the Cardinals. I think the big thing I want to see here is uh, in – the AFL, I didn't necessarily think the bat was close. Um, the bat looked close during spring training. So kind of want to see if that continues, obviously. Um, the glove is definitely there. Like, of course, the guy has the double-plus arm at shortstop. Exceptional throwing arm, 80-grade uh, throwing arm. Uh, you know, this is a kid that was also a two-way player in high school and a guy who was actually drafted as a two-way player as well. Uh, but defensively, like I think he, I think he already has the chops to play major league shortstop. It's just a matter if he can keep that hard contact going. I really think that this is. I think he might be a top. If anybody in our, you know, after forty place would be a top ten guy at midseason, it could be somebody like Mason Wynn. Um, next one on the list is the aforementioned. A guy that's been kind of a guy that I've picked on today, uh, Manuel Rodriguez, uh, 61st uh, on the HQ 100, uh, left-handed hitting outfielder from the Twins organization. 
Uh, was really good, hit two really hard balls in his one spring training telecast that he was in. Uh, got a good hard hit single against Garrett uh, Cole. And then took Albert Abreu um, deep on, on a pretty massive home run. Uh, my problem with Rodriguez is um, and, and this is why everybody likes him. He um, had a huge high, high on base percentage. I think he was a guy that really took advantage of the um, strike zone in um, Florida State League last year. It was automated zone. I think he was guessing. I don't think he – I think he was avoiding any breaking pitches as well. Get back to the whole Becerra argument. I've heard some things from scouts. I've heard things – I've heard some whispers – that the organization doesn't even b- believe this uh, on-base percentage. Uh, like the organization thinks he's just not swinging because he can't hit the ball. And that's 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 a scary thing. So if they don't even know where he is, we definitely don't know where he is. Um, he's supremely talented. The guy hits the ball so hard. And I do think he has some plate discipline there too. Um, you know, I, I'll be fair. I think that, uh, you know, the – 430 or whatever it was it was high um i don't have his stats right in front of me um i don't think that's a realistic on base percentage even close but i think this is a guy that could hover around 320 330 especially if he can hit enough um so like not that bad not great um but again you know maybe he's the next joey gallo maybe maybe i'm totally missing that um but i will say that joey gallo in uh, uh same same level um didn't miss as much um so we'll see uh number 67 on the list another nationals guy um brady house right-handed hitting third baseman uh, house had a terrible year illness uh, injury last year he's now converted uh, completely to third base which is a i think a really big deal um i think that when he got drafted he should have just been moved to third base but they were having him play shortstop. Could have been a comfort thing. You never know. Um, never know with those type of things. Um, but, you know, there's some worry there as well um, with some of the swing and miss in his profile. But, man, he hits the ball so hard. And I think we're really going to see a big power output from him this year. So um, looking for him to make more solid contact um, and, and not whiff as much. Um, and then the last guy is my first pitcher I put on the list. And that was, we ranked him 90th. And that was uh, former second overall pick from the 2021 draft, Jack Leiter, right-handed pitcher, who looked all out of sorts last year. Um, and you start wondering, maybe it's maybe it's Vandy, the way Vandy pitches these guys. They, I mean, they work uh, the Leiters, the, the uh, Rockers, the Buellers, uh, all of these guys. They work them, they work them hard. Uh, from very early on. Um, but like I think Jack Leiter was in this little phase where uh, we knew his command wasn't great in college. And I think it was one of those things that we wish casted on him uh, that he would have better command when he became a pro. Uh, but that wasn't the case. Uh, the stuff moves. I mean, the fastball is exceptional. I'm sorry. It's excess- exceptional, flat angled. Um, uh, it-, it just needs the command so it can act exceptional. Uh, I, I believe this is a guy that once he realizes once team once his team realizes they just need to set up in the middle of the plate and let the movement take it take control kind of like Tyler Glass now uh, when he went to the Rays uh, I think that that's going to be a huge bonus uh, for Jack Leiter um, moving forward um, 
this year. So anyway, those are the 10 guys that I kind of have some question marks about um, this year that I'd like to get answered. There's a, there's plenty of them. I could find question marks about anybody. Um, I, I'm a little bit of a glass half empty type of evaluator. Um, I don't know why that is. I think that's just because a lot of people in my space tend to be more optimistic. In life, I'm optimistic, but about prospects, eh, not always. Um, so anyway, as always, thank you for listening to the Eyes Have It podcast. You can contact us. Uh, our email is theeyeshaveit at baseballhq.com. You can reach out to me at any time, Chris, uh, on Twitter. You can reach out to me anytime, and that's uh, uh, my name's Chris. I don't know why I said that, uh, but I'm at C underscore blessing. That's C underscore blessing. I, I've never had a blue check mark. I ain't paying for a blue check mark, uh, so don't worry about that. Um, you know, I don't know why you would worry about that because uh, it would be out of my own budget. Uh, you can also pester Brent, uh, part-time host uh, at Brent uh, HQ. Uh, that's again at Brent HQ. He'll be back next week when we talk about, hopefully, Marcelo Mayer and the Greenville Drive um, and maybe some Rome Braves prospects. Uh, um, remember, everybody, subscribe to us on your podcaster. I use Apple Podcasts. I know other people use other ones. Uh, it seems like we've had a spike in um, listeners this year, so hopefully that continues for us. I know that you don't want your league mates to know about us, but I kind of do, so... Uh, whatever, right? Um, anyway, thank you for joining us this week on the Eyes Have a Podcast, and I will see you next week. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.